ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dungeon Dive Bar Happy Hour. Joining me this week is me. Now, you might be wondering, Sam, how can you interview yourself? The answer, I won't. Interviewing me this week is special guest, Caden. I prefer friend of the podcast, but... We are here to ask some questions of me that would be really weird of me asking me. So, have at it. Alrighty. So, right off the bat, who are you? I am Sam. I'm the GM of this podcast. I've been playing Pathfinder for five years now. I mostly play arcane casters, such as wizards, sorcerers, stuff like that, as opposed to, or divine casters, like the cleric. And half of my time as Pathfinder player has been spent GMing. It started with some more homebrew, but currently I GM the Kingmaker Adventure Path for Pathfinder First Edition, and am now doing this, the Emerald Spire Super Dungeon in First Edition module. And what is the Emerald Spire Super Dungeon? The Emerald Spire Super Dungeon, it's a 16-floor dungeon that is designed to be an incredibly intense, dangerous mission for players to embark on that will take them from levels 1 to 13. Traditional adventure paths by Paizo, which are their full six-book adventures, traditionally go from first level to 17. This is a compressed version of that. If you were playing using the experience track, it is the fast track as opposed to the normal standard track that adventure paths are on. However, our game is using the milestone achievement system, which is whenever a significant event occurs in the story that the player is complete, whether it is clearing one of the floors of the dungeon, a certain number of side quests that are related to the townsfolk in the fort above or nearby, they will level up instead of going by XP. Just to back up a little bit there, can you tell us what Pathfinder is and who Paizo is, since you referenced them in that answer? Absolutely. Paizo is the company that produces Pathfinder 1st Edition, Starfinder, a sci-fi variant of Pathfinder, and Pathfinder 2nd Edition, which is their updated version of Pathfinder to streamline and make it a more accessible game, similar to what Wizards of the Coast did with Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Paizo was a company that formed after several members of the tabletop role-playing game community who were freelance writers, authors for Wizards of the Coast, etc. Wizards of the Coast being the company that produces Dungeons & Dragons, were incredibly dissatisfied with Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition. This is due to them mostly publishing third-party materials and eventually taking the 3.5 rule set and chassis and creating its own variant rules and rule set, creating what is referred to as Pathfinder 1st Edition. They took a lot of the excess material out such as tumbling versus jumping and just made that one acrobatic skill or sneaking and stealthing are now the same skill, stuff like that. And it's a very mechanically intensive game, I would say, as opposed to Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, which is a little bit lighter on the rules, a little bit significantly lighter on the rules. Anything is lighter on the rules if you're comparing it to Pathfinder. So, yeah, thank you for that rundown. So Pathfinder is a tabletop RPG similar to Dungeons & Dragons. Is there anything else you want to add on that subject? It's more fun. The interviewee may experience some bias here. What are you most excited about for the players to get into in the Emerald Spire Super Dungeon? And you can get as spoilery or not spoilery as you want. I'm trying to avoid spoilers because if I was going to spoil the podcast, why would anyone listen to this? Valid. I'm excited because, one, I've wanted to run this for years. 
but I've never had the opportunity to, and I finally do now due to due to certain events giving me the time and ability to prepare it and effectively run it, as well as the fact that I have many players who are, and by many I mean all my players, who are incredibly excited to play in it and be as wild and crazy as they want because this isn't a massive sprawling adventure. This is one-shot character building, really. It's a glorified one-shot. What I'm most excited about is player interaction. I like to believe that roleplay is just as important as combat. And that if you don't feel the characters come to life, there's really no point in playing them at all. I hold true to that rule with the way I build characters and play them in games where I'm the player. Making sure they are distinct personalities. And while they do bear significant similarity to myself, I try to make them distinct and humanized and let them exist in the world as a resident of that world, not a facsimile of me in that world. I also believe that as the GM, the game should be exciting for the players, and also challenging. A lot of early Paizo materials, due to the lack of source books available, such as multiple bestiaries, or even the existence of certain classes, causes the books to have very limited options, and players with high system mastery who build very effective characters just steamroll through the book. For instance, I was running a module, a high-level module for some friends of mine, And I had to build the entire thing from the ground up because their characters were just so well built that I could only hit on them on a natural 20. So I like the balance of fun versus lethality. And striving to hit that balance and improve is one of my core desires as a game master. Absolutely. And then this one, you can choose to answer or not answer. But especially given that the module is balanced for a four-person party and you've got six players here. What are some of your favorite changes you've made? In some of the later floors, there are certain characters that have class levels. I have increased those or changed their classes in order to make them more mechanically relevant and more flavor relevant. And I do this in all the games I run. For instance, in a in the Kingmaker game I mentioned before, that is one of the Paizo's adventure paths, one of the early ones. So for it, there is the core rulebook, Bestiary 1 and Bestiary 2, and that was the entire Paizo library at the time. There is a character that is referred to as a witch. Got all your witch trappings. Cranky, makes potions, all of that. I'm going to let Gaiden guess, what class is she? That's an unfair guess because you've told me this before. Do you remember it, though? Isn't she a sorcerer? She is a sorcerer because the witch class did not exist yet. And neither did alchemists for brewing potions. Correct. Um, But I have upgraded some things. And another upgrade that is sometimes necessary, especially at the lower levels where you want quantity over quality, is just added more enemies. Oh, here's a floor. There's six goblins. Make it eight goblins. Because at the lower levels where they're just sort of creep, which is a colloquialism for just enemies that are there solely to be bodies in the way, sometimes instead of adding more dangerous enemies, it's easier to just add more crappy enemies. You asked me earlier, what is the Emerald Spire, the super dungeon? I talked about the module. I didn't really talk about it in the world of Galarian where Pathfinder takes place. Now you just dropped a lot of nuggets there to explain. I sure did. 
So the setting of Pathfinder is a world called Galarian, G-O-L-A-R-I-O-N. In the world of Galarian, there is a core concept that I truly adore, that I think really makes the world logical for what it is. Prophecy is broken. The god of prophecy died, and thus every prophecy no longer works or exists. Due to the fact that the god of prophecy is dead, heroes are all over the world. They're not destined child of a great leader. There's none of that. Everything in Pathfinder is determined by the roll of a die. And heroes fall, and heroes succeed, based on one polyhedral. And the world has many continents. We're going to focus on Avistan, specifically three countries within Avistan. Ustalav, which would be your Transylvania copycat. Yeah, there's Ustalav is the land of horror. Everything from Southern Gothic to traditional horror to H.P. Lovecraft to vampires. The other two countries are Numeria, which is uh, basically think Conan the Barbarian meets Star Trek. It's a lot of barbarian warlords and cyber technology and high-tech weaponry. And then the last one is the River Kingdoms, which is a collection of city-states in this small continent that are each competing for resources to exist and take over the whole area. The reason I bring these three countries up is at the focal point they all meet is a patch of land called the Echo Woods. The Echo Woods, I believe, is a 21-mile-wide forest, and within it are two places of note. The titular Emerald Spire Super Dungeon and the Hell Knight Fortress Fort Inevitable. Hell Knights are essentially law enforcement. They are characters who are lawful to a fault on any spectrum of good, neutral, and evil, and they patrol the area and have a city fortress there that has a thriving economy, a thriving city on its own, and they patrol the Echo Woods, killing monsters, guarding the spire. At least in my iteration, they also guard the spire from unlawful entry, and that is the main city. In fact, that is the only city that is in the scope of the adventure path. And some of the characters in our group are members of different factions within the city. There's multiple orders of the Hell Knights. I believe there's five orders of the Hell Knight. I could be wrong. But the orders in the city that matter are the Order of the Pike, the Order of the Chain, and the Order of the God Claw. Before we wrap up, I have one final question for you. What's that? What is your favorite floor of the Emerald Spire Super Dungeon? Floor 14. There are some things on floor 14 I am very excited about. And I know for a fact will be the culmination of at least two different characters' backstories. So a lot to look forward to A there. lot to look forward to there. So I hope that kind of gives you a brief overview of what we're doing here, why we're doing it, and what actually is involved in the podcast. If you have any more questions, send them to dungeondivebar at gmail.com or tweet at us at twitter.com slash bar dungeon uh, we are also on facebook at facebook.com slash dungeon dive bar you can find us on tumblr at dungeon dive bar.tumblr.com on our own website dungeon dive bar.podbean.com we are also on itunes spotify podcast addict anywhere you get your podcasts and additionally we have a patreon our patreon is a non-profit 
and it solely exists to raise charity money. Every dollar we raise will be going to a charity cause to help with things like COVID research. Um, with that, Caden, thank you for interviewing me. It is a pleasure as always. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.